I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Thursday. In the NBA, the Nets over Zion, Durant back and nearly perfect. But in the West, the number one team, the Jazz, they go down to the Suns. We might be interested in those Suns odds to win the Pacific. Justin Fields, a lot of controversy, a lot of talk. Is he being treated unfairly? His odds decreased to be the number three pick. Mac Jones' odds have improved to go to the 49ers. Justin Rose does lead the Masters. I don't have any flower wordplay, but I'll tell you, he was 70 to 1 entering the tournament. So a long shot in the lead. We'll update you on the Masters throughout the show. Here comes a four hour of the Vegas Truth, covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Okay, I got one of Rose by any other name. No, I'm R.J. Live on Thursday here in Las Vegas. Live on Fox Sports Radio and live on 225 FSR stations. This is a real... I, I never thought I'd be excited to talk to Jonas. I mean, I like talking to Jonas, <laughs> but it's not excitement. But when when life takes him away from the cozy confines of straight out of Vegas, you, you, you tend to appreciate his wonderful <laughs> delivery. Uh, to be honest, Jonas, when you got to work with Fez every day, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're just in a good spot. That's all I'm saying. Return. And he's back. We're excited to have him. And uh, he's in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ, and good to be back. And on a day in which we've got the Masters back in April at Augusta, we've also got a battle in the Western Conference atop the NBA. What is the Vegas lead here on this Thursday? The Masters is a big betting sport. A lot of people don't bet golf, but at minimum – we always know what's happening because of the odds. So let's do the Vegas lead. We'll touch on the Masters, updated odds, and then we'll jump to the NBA because I do think the Nets oh, and Zion, that was a big game. But let's start with updated Masters odds. Yeah, and as Dan Beyer pointed out, it is Justin Rose leading at the Masters in Augusta right now. Seven under par. He has a four-shot lead over Brian Harmon and Hideki Matsuyama. So Justin Rose leader first round on Thursday, opening day of the Masters. Yeah, and if you actually look at it, Justin Rose was 70-1 to coming in. So this is an unlikely, you know, Rose by any other name, we can do a lot with it. But we're not listen, Mr. Dan Byer's another level. You know, let me ask you, Jonas, you weren't here. It was yesterday, and I came up with I think the take of the year, maybe on the 49ers, why they're gonna take, I think, Matt Jones, Mac Jones. And then I th- I was so excited, it was right before the throw to the news it, or the update, is I threw it, but I didn't say Mr. Dan Byer. He paused for like eight seconds. Just wait. Like, at what point, <laughs> excuse me, do you think that he would naturally think, you know, RJ was excited he forgot. No, he just kept just dead silence waiting for his name. 
I do you, mean, do, do you approve of that? I listen. I, I anything Dan Byer does on the updates, I approve of because he's one of the best I've ever heard do them. So, and and the yeah. egomania doesn't bother you. No, Dan, he's earned that. He's earned whatever he's got. He's earned because he's one of the founding fathers of uh, Fox Sports Radio. He's been here, if not longer than anybody at the network. Uh, he's one of the the originals as far as remaining members of Fox Sports Radio. The over under on that was like two seconds. By the way, it was not eight seconds. It was not eight seconds. <laughs> you gotta love how he listens to the show too. I give him credit for that one. <laughs> and you gotta love how Jonas says, "Yes, his egomania is earned." Like no one's debating if. It it's there. Put it's just, it is time, it... man. <laughs> All right. So we have now we don't have Mr. Dan Byer for this, but we got Mackenzie Rivers in research. And let's get, you know, because the odds update as we go, obviously. And if you need a minute, Mackenzie, let me know. But let's get the update on right now who is favored to win the Masters. Justin Rose, you just mentioned him. He's down to plus 350 to win the tournament. Then Jordan Spieth at 10 to 1, John Ram at 11 to 1, Patrick Reed at 11 to 1, and Hideki Matsuyama at 14 to 1. Ooh, Matsuyama. Now, it's always interesting how if there's a guy, and this is something with the odds each round that's fascinating, if there's a guy that's out of nowhere, and then, you know, not even 70 to 1, but more than that, let's say and they're leading round one, they will be like the fourth or fifth favorite. There's still like a lot of pessimism about them. And then if you have a guy who was the leader and maybe he's four shots back, he'll be like the favorite sometimes. So as you look at the pre-tournament odds, McKenzie, and then you look at what we're seeing as we're finishing the first round, what jumps out at you in regards to like Rose, he was being him being 70 to one and then being a clear favorite now does speak to a lot of respect. Here's a guy that maybe there was questions about his form or whatever, but once he showed he's got it, it feels like him being a former kind of high level or a golfer that's had real success is he's getting a lot more respect than a typical 70 to one, I think, uh, coming in with one good round. I think you nailed it. You look at Brian Harmon. He's just one shot below Justin Rose at minus three. He came into the tournament at 90 to one. I know. Let's think about that. This is perfect. So they came into the tournament almost the same odds, and now Rose has one stroke on him. So you would think he would be a little bit better. But Rose's odds are plus 350, and the other fellow? He's second in the tournament right now at minus three, Brian Harmon, and he's 20 to one. To win currently. Now that is a great example, Jonas, where it's not just how well you've done so far. It's there's a name that's kind of got, oh, I remember him kind of reaction. And now you think I could see him winning this thing. But then there's and, another guy, not so much. And Jordan Spieth is going into the tournament. He was one of the favorites, correct? I, 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 yes. Um, I think well, certainly top three or four. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and so now Jordan Spieth is currently what still third, as that's far right. as the odds go, and he's yeah, eight shots right. back already. So he's eight shots back to a guy in Justin Rose who's got a couple of you know top two finishes at the Masters at this golf course. To have him still be that high up in the odds that far back, um, I don't I don't know that that's kind of surprising to me. It, it shows you're right. It, it, it's back to the idea of if you think of two factors, one is. And really, if you think about pre-tournament odds, that is effectively saying how good the golfer is at the Masters. That's what the odds really represent. So it's like how good were you expected to be coming in versus how good you've been in the first round. Now, remember, whenever you have a round that's gone by, just like a seven-game NBA Finals or playoff 
round is there's two factors that come with the round. One is the mathematical reality of this is one fourth of the final, you know, score. And thus, if you're up or down, it matters. But then number two is what does it tell you about the form? What does it tell you about how good this golfer is? So on one hand, you've got a spief. You can say, okay, his form isn't necessarily great. Mathematically, he's behind, but he's so good, there's still faith in him. A guy like Rose, his form looks good. Oh, wow, this round means a lot. He's got the, the name, so that means something, but he's got the math on his side too. So he's, So it really is how much of it is the math of the reality of the standings and how much does it tell you this first round and then the second, the third about the form. And then as the tournament progresses, imagine the best golfer in the world on the 72nd hole and he's down two strokes. It doesn't matter. As long as that other guy's a pro that's up, he's going to be favored because now the math is almost everything and the skill is just the one hole left to play. So as the tournament progresses, it becomes less about the skill of the players and more about the score before the tournament, it's all about the skill, and right now, mostly about the skill, but the score still matters, especially if you got an extreme score and you're out of it already. It matters a ton, but a guy like Spieth, even though he's back a good bit, like you said, he's right there in the mix, which I think is telling. So before the shutdown, Steve Fezzik was killing it in the XFL because he couldn't wait to remind everybody that he kept hitting on his XFL oh, picks. Like yes. that was that was that was. He a, still a says he's undefeated, <laughs> of course, because the league shut down. So yeah, you just you take the record with you. And so the reason I ask that is Fez found something in the XFL that he was able to take advantage of and get really hot at. Are there are there sharps that look at a tournament like the Masters who say, look, people maybe only watch the big tournaments. They're just betting because they want to bet and it's a big tournament. I can take advantage of this because I got a lot of people who maybe aren't following it as closely as I am throughout the entire golf season. Okay, so unequivocally, the Masters is the biggest bet tournament of the year. And it's not really close. Even the other majors are not nearly bet as much. The more betting you have, that comes from new bettors, bettors who typically don't bet that sport. So, for example, the Super Bowl has a bunch more betting. Some of it is people are betting more than they typically would, but some of it is more people are betting. And when you have people that only bet a handful or a minority of the events, they're not going to be as sharp, just by definition. Right? It's a guy that plays tennis once a month versus a guy that plays every day. It's a different level of intensity of expertise. So I think in general, the more public an event is the, and the more square it is, the more that you can take advantage of the biases of the public. So Rory McIlroy would be a good example of that. A guy that's got three of the four, and I'm no golf expert, but three of the four majors, not the Masters. He struggled with the Masters uh, historically and, quite frankly, hasn't been up to his usual snuff. But there were times he was in matchups. So a matchup isn't to win the tournament, but it's head-to-head. And, Mackenzie, do you have the um, score? Fez had, and I gave a cosign to a head-to-head where we faded McElroy. Do you remember who the opponent was in that? Yeah, it was the favorite Dustin Johnson. Okay, now that was interesting because Dustin Johnson, who was the favorite coming into the tournament, he was in a situation where he was only like minus 130 heads up over Rory, even oh, wow. though Rory isn't in great form and Masters hasn't been his thing. How's Dustin Johnson doing? 
He's plus two after today's round. Roy McIlroy plus four. So we're winning that one. Oh, I like that. So, yes, absolutely. And I think if this was a tournament, Jonas, to be very specific, if this was a tournament in which uh, it wasn't so public, it was more of the sharp batters, then Rory wouldn't have been as much uh, as fa- – not that he was the favorite, but he was amongst the favorites because of his name. So in general, the things that we consider bias or not really about merit – are the things the public tends to get involved in. You know what? We're the same way. Like, I mean, you might, you're sharp at UFC, for example. You're sharp at other things, but I'm not sharp, let's say, at foreign movies. I, I like foreign movies, but I probably watch five a year, maybe. So what, are, what do I want to see? I want to see something that was at the, uh, you know, that won the Palm d'Or at Cannes, maybe. Or I want to see what the Oscar-nominated ones were. Now, some aficionado of the movies are going to say, oh, that RJ, he's square. He should know there's this one German movie that didn't get distribution, but that's the good movie. Right. Well, it's like anything else, right? And to me, as long as they're betting recreationally, someone's got to get that money. So I'm trying to, you know, I figure it should be me. <laughs> I mean, that's just my thinking. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong. All right, so let's do this. Let's take an early break here. And when we come back, we'll, throughout the show, we're going to be giving you not only the score, you can get that anywhere, but where else can you get the odds to win the tournament as we go? Shot by shot, literally. And also, big, big events, both in the East and the West in the NBA. In the Phoenix Suns, we have them at 12 to 1. What's the updated odds to win the Pacific after they beat the Jazz? He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the 3 and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks? Coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecoff, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we have got a battle atop the Western Conference in the NBA. Yeah, and it's a shocker what this line is. Phoenix, if you think about it, only one game behind the Jazz, and they're playing at the Clippers. And this line is a surprise. We're going to get to it in a minute or two. Thanks for joining. Great day. It's the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus, and we're going to work extra hard to keep satisfying you, the listener. You can listen to us on 225 terrestrial stations over the air, free, across the country. And if you don't know your station for sure, just go to foxsportsradio.com and look it up. And you can listen streaming even from the website here in Vegas on the Strip. Yes, it's 88 degrees. The neon is flowing. So, RJ, the Phoenix Suns got a big win over the top-seeded Utah Jazz in the Western Conference last night in overtime. Later on tonight, a national TV broadcast on TNT against the three-seed in the West, which would be the L.A. Clippers. And right now, the Clippers, a six-point favorite on pregame.com. Now, think about that. Home court, let's call it even two points now. It's either one and a half or two as the fans start coming back a little bit. So, lo and behold, 
the Clippers, with a worse record, are four points better than the Suns? Does that, uh, you know, beyond the home court, so two plus four equals six? How, what's your gut feeling on that? Does that it, feel right to you? It seems, no, it doesn't feel right, which makes me think that, and this is how I look at it because I'm so used to losing bets. It, <laughs> it, it makes me think that somebody must know something, and that's why this line is where it's at. See, that when you get into that loop, you can never win. <laughs> because think about it. It's like, you know something? My instincts tell me there's value on the Suns, so I'm going to bet against the Suns. It's like, but you're right because to some degree, if you're not sure – you're thinking somebody knows something. And I think there might be some merit to that here, though I think it's a little out of hand. So remember, Phoenix won against the Jazz yesterday. They are now one game back from the number one team in the entire NBA. Think about that. If they had won one more game, they'd be tied to have the best record in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns. Let's give Chris Paul his due, right? Now, we've got Phoenix, as thousands of our listeners join us, joined us on that one, at 12 to 1 to win the Pacific. The current odds are pretty much break even. So it's 50 50. So we took a 12 to 1 bet like five weeks ago, and we're now 50% chance to win it. 8% initially, 12 to 1, all the way down to 50. I feel great about that. And I need to cash this baby. The, <laughs> the theory of the bet was that the Clippers, maybe, and the Lakers were the other competitor at the time uh and really the lakers aren't super competitive right now to win the pacific doesn't dismiss once they're healthy how good they might be but there is a sense jonas that the clippers weren't didn't really care about winning the pacific either and thus they might not totally be focused this feels like a referendum game what does that mean that means the idea of winning this game is going to tell a story it's going to say that, yes, a decision is that the Clippers are good or the referendum could be, go down. It's like the Clippers couldn't even win this game. Now, why this game won? Well, the Suns are ahead of them in the Pacific. Number two, the fact the Suns are off a game last night, so they're back-to-back. But number three, they're off an overtime game back-to-back. Mackenzie Rivers, Pregame.com Research. We've got the history on teams that play a game – have a back-to-back, but they were overtime in that first game? Historically, 134 winners, 184 losers, only 42 against the spread right, so for 40, teams in the Suns 42% spot. if you just bet against um, – Mackenzie, close your mic. If you bet against the situation where there's the team with the – or no rest, if you just say, I'm fading the team with no rest because they had an overtime, you know – you're winning 58% of the time. So the the market's adjusting for that. So I don't think you should necessarily look towards the Clippers because now it's kind of getting known and all that. But that really does show you in the NBA that oftentimes they call it a, a scheduling loss. That sometimes it was just a loss because the schedule laid out in a way that it was going to be hard to overcome. Yeah. And 
I also wonder if you remember the Atlanta Hawks a few years ago had that great regular season. They were the top team in the Eastern Conference, I think, but nobody really took them that serious. It was like, well, you're going to meet up against LeBron and we know how that's going to go. So this is a nice story, but this is how it'll turn out. I wonder how much of that is happening with Phoenix to where as good as Phoenix is, there's still people that look at them and go, this is a nice regular season story. But once you get to the postseason, we just trust a team like the Clippers or or a healthy Lakers to be able to take advantage of them. You're making a great point. So a lot of NBA power ratings people, the people who make numbers, they have a regular season rating and a postseason rating. And the theory being how much effort night to night in the regular season, what percentage of the maximum effort does this team put in? So an Atlanta team that historically, we're not talking this year, But if I recall, they had some coaches and some front office people from San Antonio. And it was a situation where this was a team that just played hard a lot. And thus, a given percentage of the time, they would be playing harder, trying harder than their opponent. So they would win games and perform better than maybe the merit of their skills. You know, how good they were, they overperformed that because of how hard they tried. Now, historically, with LeBron, I think most notably – there's been a sense of what's the regular season even matter. And the funny thing is, and Mackenzie, you pull up the odds on the NBA Finals plays or, or to win the title, is the idea that there's the following conversation, Jonas, going on at once. The following two things. One, it's possible the Lakers, if they don't do well, they could have to pl- do the playing game. And, oh, by the way, the Lakers are one of the top favorites to win the title. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't feel like they go together. It feels incongruent, but it's not because the regular season really doesn't matter. Though if they do have to play in the play-in, now the the risk of a short you know uh, short bad streak and all of a sudden you're out gets to be gigantic and it's a factor. But still, the Lakers right now are what favorite to win the title, McKenzie? Second favorite, plus three fifty. Wow. And the Nats are favored. Yes, plus 250. All right, so think about that, Jonas. They might make or have to play the playing game. And, oh, by the way, they're this, the favorite in the West. I mean... <laughs> it, it, it makes you wonder what's the point of all these games. Yeah, I just... I don't know what people are, are watching when they're when they're seeing that. There's no guarantee. I don't think they are. Well, yeah, that's there's no even look. Anthony Davis has been out, I think, seven weeks now, going on eight weeks. There's some conversation that they might try and bring him back on the 14th or the 15th, and the idea behind that is, well, you know, we want to bring him back and work him back into the rotation. I don't think it's as much that as it, as it is. LeBron's out. They're in the middle of a slide. I think there's concern there, and if you're having to move up the timeline on Anthony Davis's return because you're worried about where you're at right now with LeBron out and, and nobody else really stepping up, to, I don't know how you look at that team and go, oh, yeah, they're the second, you know, best, have the second best chance to win a title this year. This is another example of recency bias, meaning if you remember right here in FSR, and again, he gets a lot of them right, but when the bubble was happening before the playoffs, Colin said the Lakers can't win the title. This team can't win a title. And he did a postmortem in a way on LeBron going to LA and the whole Anthony Davis. And, and, and remember he had Portland in the first round picked over him. So did Fez. So the fact that they ended up winning it, let's give him a ton of credit. Yeah. But who was the best team they beat? Like this year, 
let's assume not that the next year is always the same as the year before, but in general, if a team's really good one year, they're pretty good the next year, right? Yeah. So they beat Portland, right? Who's barely, you know, barely there yeah. in the uh, playoff hunt this year. Number two, number two, they beat Houston, if I recall, right? Yeah. And. Uh, you know, we know what Houston is, but even imagine if they had the same team as last year, they were maybe a borderline playoff, you know, seventh, eighth kind of team. And then they played um, Denver. Denver. And Denver, listen, I think Denver's a sneaky team in the West, but what they were last year, yeah, they were fine, you know? And then, but but no way, like a really good team. And then finally a Miami team that's what, the fifth seed now in the East? Yeah. So they literally didn't like if any of those teams were transported to now, so let's say there was a Denver 2020 now in the league and also a Denver 2021. So there was two versions of the Joker. Are any of those teams in the top 10 of the entire NBA that the uh, Lakers play? Miami I, certainly isn't. Fringe maybe. But, Who, but, Denver? Yeah. But that Denver team isn't as good as this year's team. Yeah, it. they did not have the – best the most difficult path to get there That's and Aaron why. Jones is as you know help the defense now I mean I think yeah I think the Clippers them having to avoid the Clippers last year I think was the biggest break of their entire run just based on the fact that that was what it felt like the Clippers were gearing up for all season they were always going to get up for those Lakers games it was just the other stuff that for whatever reason they couldn't figure it out once the Clippers were gone it just felt like a foregone conclusion but the thing is, as we were saying, and let's give us credit for this, you can't, this is not a light, we said it about Kansas City, we said it about Miami, we're going to be wrong at some point, but professional sports isn't you flip the switch. There's something about it that if you feel a little bit lax at different points of the year, that when the chips are down, those are the teams that tend to make that one extra mistake. And I mean, again, when you give up a 3-1 lead, like the Clippers did, and I agree with you. If anything, I thought the Clippers made decisions personnel-wise last year that helped them against the Lakers, hurt them against everyone else, but they thought they could handle everyone else, and they wanted to be ready for the Lakers. And what I would say is that that it was literally a situation where LeBron's maturity, his leadership, he's a great player, but I think that the bubble and all of the uh, conflict – and, and, and struggles that came with that and the isolation and all of it. LeBron being the leader, the leader, a vocal leader. Kawhi's a leader by example, right? Remember Toronto had the one great win, everyone celebrating, Kawhi's walking off like with an assassin's look in his eye, and yeah. he said, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. Kind of like Brady when they won the NFC Championship. No, we got a game left. I think that, that, that Kawhi does that well. What LeBron does as a vocal leader I think served him exceptionally well in the bubble. And, you know, he gets credit for that. But it's different this year. And it's possible Davis comes back, LeBron comes back, they play into shape, and you can make the case that rest will do them good. I think the main problem is they got new players on this team and Schroeder and the different players. And it's like, huh, it's like this integration time is important. They're not going to have it. And let's not forget, last point, Anthony Davis – there's no sense that this might not be 
a reoccurring kind of thing where he'll be a little ginger when he comes back, a little not sure. And all it takes is him getting hurt, you know, even for a week, and it's hard for them to win. So, yes, I think if everything falls right, the Lakers probably should even be the favorites right there with the Nets. But, boy, there's a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong with the Lakers. Thought on that. Yeah, and, and I would actually I'm, – I'm curious, how how much are they ahead of the rest of the Western – as far as the Western Conference title favorites to get to the finals? Obviously, we know they're going to be number one because there's the second to win the titles uh, – to win the title in the entire league. But at, what's the gap betting-wise between them and Team 2, 3, 4, et cetera? So, McKenzie, let's look at just the title odds, but read us the top four or five West teams. And Lakers are first. Uh, uh, was it 4-1? to one? Three and a half to one for the Lakers, then drops to six to one for the Clippers, eight wow. to one for the Jazz, then sixteen to one next up for the Nuggets. Wow. Okay, in the Suns? Right next up right after them is twenty five to one for the Suns. So think about this. The Jazz and here's what's fascinating. The Jazz are one game better than the Suns. Yeah. You could make the point that the lack of COVID issues for Utah, the lack of injuries, if you just look at man games missed, Utah's one of the best, as in lucky teams, to not be injured. So I would make the case that the Suns might be better right now than Utah. It's just they've been, you know, Utah's been extra lucky when it comes to injuries. I mean, there's, I tell you this, 25 to 1, I think there's a little value on the Suns. Though I kind of like winning the Pacific at 12 to 1 better. I can't lie. I'm RJ Bob. We are straight out of Vegas. Jonas, real quick, let's take a gander at the Nets and, and Durant's return last night. Yeah, Kevin Durant returned last night for the Brooklyn Nets. There was no James Harden, him out dealing with an, uh, his injury issue, but it was the Brooklyn Nets all over the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans. 139 to 111. Kevin Durant off the bench. A big game for the Brooklyn Nets in his return. 17 points. He was perfect from the floor five of five also another five of five from the free throw line and he had a block because yes. Fez had his prop bet on over a half a block <laughs> and, and and during it I said you know the show I said Fez I go I like it but I'm worried because he had gone 11 straight games with a block that he played and I thought but I'm worried about how many minutes he's going to play Fez says don't worry about it we're fine and then it's like he played like six minutes in the first half, but he still had a block. So it was like, <laughs> man, uh, that's, a, that's a good bet. That's a good bet. Um, here's what I'll say. There's a concept by the guy that wrote The Black Swan called um, How Fragile, or it's called Anti-Fragile. So we all know what fragile is, right? It's easy to break. It's, it's sensitive. Anti-fragile is it's not sensitive. It's tough. It's durable. This Nets team is maybe the most durable elite NBA team I've ever seen. I mean, think about it. We're doing a little project we're going to have for next week. If you took the second best player of every team off the team, so LeBron or AD pick, it doesn't matter, take off, you know, Joker or, you know, like think of going through the different teams. And we're going to actually take Durant off of Brooklyn, even though the case could be made Durant's the best player. Right? But if anything, this hurts us even more, right? Take Harden off, take Durant off. You have your pick. Then how good are those teams? I believe personally the Nets are like four points better. Like They are so far ahead. Yeah. Now, I know this is just an exercise. It doesn't matter necessarily if everyone's healthy. But it goes to show you the idea that you could – I mean, it's very possible the Nets without Durant are the best team in the NBA. How could you take off perhaps the best – 
you know, certainly one of the five best players of the in the NBA off a team, and it still be the maybe the best team. I've never seen that before. Have you? No, I, I and I'm trying to think back when we got an example of that. I don't um, think we have. Yeah, the the closest. I guess you could say when LeBron lost Kyrie in the finals. Um, but again, they how'd they do? Yeah, they lost. <laughs> and they were up two. I think he. I think he got that game three. I think it might have been like an overtime game. But after that, you know, Golden State ran away with it. We saw what happened to Golden State when they lost Durant uh, in the finals, and then ended up losing uh, Clay Thompson. Now, now that's interesting. I think that would be an example because they had that run where he got hurt, I think, in the Houston series. Yeah. And then they went and beat Portland, if I remember. And then they went into the finals, and then he came back, had the good first quarter. Yeah. So, to me, that proves the point that even if it's one of the all-time teams, and a lot of people will say that Warriors team was the best team once they had Durant. The odds say they were the best team ever, uh, just based on how big of a favorite they were relative to the other teams. But... That was a situation that as time went on, Durant, or I'm sorry, Curry got beat up. And in a three or five game stretch, they could do great, but they weren't going to do a season like that. Do you get any sense that Harden, you know, and again, if you have another injury, yeah, it's going to be a problem. But he's a durable dude. So if you really think about it, I think the Nets could go the whole season without Durant and still maybe have the best record or be right there. And I and I think that Warriors team could have done it in short spurts, I yeah. think. And, and I also like the idea that the, the fact they're able to do this without a, a Durant on the floor or without a James Harden, I think they've they've been through this before. Each of those guys has been on these quote unquote super teams where they've had to step up and be the guy. Remember, look, James Harden had to do that because Chris Paul wasn't dependable a lot of the times health wise when they were teamed up together in Houston. And one of the big knocks on James Harden going into the playoffs, and we've talked about this before, is that he wears down because he plays so much during the the regular season because he he plays so so many hard minutes during the regular season. Postseason comes around and he doesn't have the gap tank to be able to continue on well he doesn't have to worry about this so I think you're going to get the freshest James Harden for the postseason that you've ever gotten in his career and if they're this good with just two of the three members imagine what they're going to look like with all three and and presumably healthy for the postseason it's why I think they're the odds on favorite I agree and we have them four to one up next (laughs) I'm going to tell you why Jonas's analogy was good, but I think there's something about Harden that also was a problem in the playoffs that really was more like Mariana Rivera. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Take our final break. When we come back, we'll talk about why Harden should do better in this year's playoffs and the analogy with Rivera. Also, updated Masters odds. And also, Justin Fields, the three number three pick for the 49ers. What's the updated odds there? He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All 
I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And, R.J., we've been talking about the Brooklyn Nets, the favorites to win the NBA championship. They are the top seed in the Eastern Conference and what a playoff run could look like with a healthy James Harden. And you make a great point. Historically, Houston and Harden seem to slow down or not be as efficient in the playoffs. I'm not sure that's true. I I know that Sears against the Clippers, they lost. They were up 3-1. You know, that was a a bad one, no doubt about it. Um, And and they had some bad ones. But don't forget, in two series, right in the middle of Golden State being the best team maybe ever, Houston, at a given point in those series, fairly late, was favored to win them. And the idea that if you beat the best team of all time in a playoff series, that could have been like maybe the fifth best team of the last decade. Like I really think it's reasonable. The best of those Houston teams were maybe the fifth best team of the last 10 years, even though they didn't even make the finals. Because yeah. when you play the best team maybe ever and you almost beat them, you got to give them credit for that. But in general, is it fatigue late in the year in the playoffs? Maybe, because Harden does have a huge or typically a high usage rate. But I think it's more about the nuance of game adjustments. If you have an offense that's easy to run, like an analogy being Mariana Rivera, you didn't have to call many one, two, you know, like the catcher didn't have to do a lot of signals. Cutter, 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 cutter. And you know <laughs> and you know what is if you don't see that cutter very often, I mean the repetition is a huge advantage to Rivera back in the day, but the you didn't ever have a chance to really get familiar with it because you didn't play him enough. But if you actually look, the Red Sox hit Rivera better than anyone. Why? Because they faced him a bunch. They thought about him a bunch. And though they didn't hit him great, they hit him better. In a seven-game playoff series, Harden and the way that simple offense at Houston ran, the isolation and the kickout, it was something they could say, oh, when he dribbles twice and he crosses over, he does this, so we're going to do this. And it got to be like almost a Super Bowl-type preparation, but not just one game, but game two, game three. game. And isn't it a coincidence, if you look at those Houston series, they usually did better early and worse later in the series. It felt like, oh, maybe it was fatigue or maybe it was adjustments. And the beauty, though, is with the Nets, since it's so much more about distribution, it's so much less about isolation – I don't think with the variety of the other players, and you've got Aldridge who put up 20 last night. Imagine having a guy you get off the scrap heap, and it's like, oh, Harden's out, maybe put up 20. And Blake Griffin has been you know, really strong in certain two-man uh, lineups where he, him and one other guy, Irving, has been outstanding. And I think that the Nets are so much better now than they were even at the beginning with Harden because of the players around them. So I would make the case that in all ways, Harden's chance to win a title is better here than in Houston. If you don't mind, Jonas, let's get some quick updated favorites in the Masters. This is as the rounds are happening. Mackenzie, hit us. Justin Rose plus 350, Jordan Spieth 7 to 1, John Rahm 12 to 1, Patrick Reed 12 to 1, Justin Thomas 12 to 1. Those are the top 5. All right, so Spieth is how many shots back? Spieth is plus 2, so he's nine shots nine, back. Nine shots back. Wow. Yeah. So he's the second favorite, but he's nine shots back. 
Wow. Long, long tournament, RJ, long tournament. <laughs> I don't know. It's about a fourth. I think mathematically <laughs> I'm going to say a fourth of the way through. So, hey, what do you think? We'll pick this out tomorrow, Jonas. But quickly, what do you think about the third pick? It seems like the whole Justin Fields, Mac Jones. If you had a bet right now, who's going third with the Niners? I'm falling for the uh, the hype. I'm falling for the pre-draft buzz. I think it's going to be Mac Jones. I agree. The odds say so, too. And the odds on Fields has actually dropped. What I find interesting is a lot of serious commentators are talking about maybe there's a bias in the way that Fields is being nitpicked. And is it racial? So I think tomorrow we'll dig in and look at the odds, but also consider what are the factors that are driving the narrative around who's going to get picked. We are straight out of Vegas. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search straight out of Vegas as we break down how you can bet and make a little bit of coin on the Masters. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can check out this show every single weekday on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! Vegas! 